so show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a douse talk. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. Slackers. Good morning, GTA. Slacker Nation is in session yet again. What a week has been. What a week. It sounds like uh, in typical political fashion, we make the announcements right before the weekend. So by the time... The city goes back to work on Monday. There's two or three new cycles old. But John Tory decided to go out with a bang. <laughs> he said, screw it. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing this. You know, I, I do have a confession to make. I have known about this for about two years now. That's how long I've known. But you see, I, I'm not a, an investigative reporter, <laughs> nor I will ever be. And uh, I found out about this two years ago. And I actually have the text message to prove it. You know, I'm going to read it to you. See if I can find it. One of my fans on on, on Instagram, um, you know, we you start talking to people that you've never met, and um, this is on January thirteenth, twenty twenty one, and I will show it to my uh, my program director so he can corroborate this information. He says, uh, John Tory is going to be in for a rough ride in the not-so-distant future. His mother flew a private jet to Palm Beach after Christmas. And he has been expletive, a staffer in his office. It will all go public soon. This is two years ago. That's a long time ago. And then he sends me a message last night. And he said, Greg, look, this is how long ago I sent you this information. And this is how long it's taken for this to come out. <laughs> Politics are evil. 
you know, if you're still one of those people that believe the news cycle, that believe that uh, what, what the machine is wanting you to believe, you need to take a step back. You know, whenever you find yourself in the side of the majority, it's time to stop and think. Isn't that what Oscar Wilde said? I find myself doing a lot of thinking these days. <laughs> I seem to do that a lot. My brain smells often. This was a tough week, folks, in, in, in the Carrasco uh, universe. It was a tough week. I've lost a little bit of faith in humanity after this week. You know, who to trust, who not to trust. You know, who are stand-up people, who aren't. And I can't get over the fact that people just don't mean what they say and say what they mean. It seems like the whole notion of being a man is forgotten, you know. And back in the day, you had a beef with somebody, you just come out and talk to them. Said, yo, what's up? Like, what's up? Let's have a conversation. Let's sort this out. But these days, it's not a thing anymore. Let's just stop talking. Let's just not look at each other in the eyes and just move on. It's just weird. People, can you stop being weird? We've all known these people. All of a sudden, you think that they're friends of yours, and then they're gone. You don't see them again, and they just become somebody that you used to know. But what do I know? As usual, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. No, we're not going to take a break yet. I just need to say this. Um, we have a campaign going on this month in which... Um, you know, this is my personal, uh, this is the plan this year. It's not a goal because goal is like it leaves room for failure. I, I don't want that. So, the, you know, the plan this year is the following. is to become the largest tire retailer in Ontario. You know, as far as Nissan and Infinity dealerships are concerned, we will become the largest tire retailers in the province of Ontario. How are we going to do this? Number one, we have one of the largest stock of tires of any dealership anywhere. Number two, we will match or beat. You know, when it comes to Nissan product, we will match any advertised price anywhere. When it comes to other brands, we will beat any tire price that you can bring us on an actual bona fide quote. We will beat any tire price for non-Nissan product. And on top of that, if you buy the tires from us, we will give you free storage for your tires. Now, that is a big deal. Because as we all know, there's a lot of guys walking around with a beard that cannot lift a tire. <laughs> if you cannot lift the tire with the wheel inside it, change the tire on the side of the road. You should shave. Shave now. Do it. Shave now. So before you go and buy tires anywhere else, you need to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity because we want to turn this store into the service center of Oakville. You have a state-of-the-art facility with qualified technicians to get all this stuff done. And by the way, the Carrasco and Slacker Nation stepped up. They stepped up. We were looking for a couple of technicians. We got them. And we got the cream of the crop. That's right. Are we still hiring? Yes, we're always hiring. But uh, I'd like to thank everyone that listened to the show. 
and they sent us a resume and that we talked to we talked to as many people as we could and then at one point we just got so many so many uh, resumes that we just couldn't keep up we had to stop but thank you for sending me the absolute best mechanics that I could possibly find out there in the marketplace and now you will see you know our shop is got about 16 to 18 bays if you count the the Louvre bays and uh, it's a busy place now we have our program director here, Praveen, uh, sitting across the microphone with me. And I want to explore something with all of you. This John Tory situation. <laughs> I think that there is a lot to unpack here. And, uh, you know, affairs. <laughs> Dating younger people. I, yes. think that, I think that there is something to, you know, to say about this. Now, if you have an opinion on what John Tory said last night, call us, 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here. We're Canada's largest automotive radio show. But, you know, as you know, cars are boring. I will still take your car calls, but we'll talk about everything else. Let's go for a short break. We're going to be right back. Across the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Greg, Mike Robitaille here. We hear you loud and clear all the way down to Buffalo. And if you can hear my voice, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We're Canada's largest automotive radio show here on Saga 960 AM, coming to you live from the heart. Actually, this is not the heart. This is more like the liver of Mississauga. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do you call Rexdale? <laughs> uh, I don't want to say it. I really don't want to say it. No, no, no. It's like it's like Hamilton. What is Hamilton of Ontario? I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And those who know, know that before you make any car buying decisions, you need to come and see me. Because even if I can't make your life any better, I will certainly not make it worse. <laughs> and that's something to be said about certain dealers. But anyways, so this morning, uh, you know, Jacob, if you can find the, uh, the clip uh, of the, uh, the press announcement, I don't know if we can, uh, if we can air it. I think that we, uh, we can. This, uh, you know, the press conference was only like two minutes. It was straight to the point. Bang. Done. Get out. In and out. He went in and out of that press conference as fast as he could. 
And uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's important. You know, we, we need to keep we need to keep the uh, the news cycle alive. Now, all this was happening when we were being told to keep social distancing. Remember? <laughs> uh, it seems to be a common thing with our politicians, folks. People, we need to start electing better, the better one of us. Not me. <laughs> I have so many skeletons in my closet. It looks like the catacombs. <laughs> Can you play it? Let's see. Speaking this evening at City Hall, I want to thank the people of Toronto for trusting me as mayor. It has been the job of a lifetime. And while I've let them down and my family down in this instance, I've nonetheless been deeply honored by the opportunity to serve the people of this wonderful city. And I believe that I did some good for the city, that I did make a positive difference uh, for the city that I truly love, particularly during the pandemic. I'm usually known for taking as many questions as you want to ask, but on this occasion, I think I'll let my statement speak for itself. Thank you. No, I, I think that you missed the, uh, the the confession part. That's like the first minute. That's the last minute of the two-minute... Um, I get. I guess the, the press conference of John Tory last night was you know, equivalent to his sex life. <laughs> wow, this shot's being fired. Listen, I, uh, I'll i take the shots. Did you find it now? Okay, let's go to the first part of that Good interview. and thank you for coming. There you go. Uh, I want to update uh, Torontonians uh, on a difficult personal matter. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I hold <clears throat> myself as mayor and as a family man. The relationship ended by mutual consent earlier this year. During the course of our relationship some time ago, the employee decided to pursue employment outside City Hall and secured a job elsewhere. I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40 plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. I'll be working with the city manager, city clerk, and the deputy mayor, Jennifer McKelvey, to ensure an orderly transition in the coming days. While I deeply regret having to step away from a job that I love in a city that I love even more, I believe in my heart it is best to fully commit myself to the work that is required to repair these most important relationships. As well, I think it is important, as I always have, for the office of the mayor not to be in any way tarnished and not to see the city government itself, but through a period of prolonged controversy arising out of this error in judgment on my part, especially in light of some of the challenges that we face as a city. I'm deeply sorry, and I apologize unreservedly to the people of Toronto and to all of those hurt by my actions, including my staff, my colleagues on City Council, and the public service for whom I have such respect. Most of all, I apologize to my wife, Barb, and to my family, who I've let down more than anyone else. I hope the privacy of all of those impacted by my actions can be respected, and that includes me. I think, as you know, that I am naturally not, uh, I'm naturally a private person, notwithstanding some of the jobs that I've had over the years, and I hope you'll respect that and the privacy of everyone else as well, especially my wife and family. I've made the Integrity Commissioner aware of the relationship and asked him to review it. I want to thank the people of Toronto for trusting me as mayor. It has been the job of a lifetime. And while I've let them down and my family down in this instance, I've nonetheless been deeply honoured by the opportunity to serve the people of this wonderful city. And I believe that I did some good for the city, that I did make a positive difference uh, for the city that I truly love, particularly during the pandemic. I'm usually known for taking as many questions as you want to ask, 
But on this occasion, I think I'll let my statement speak for itself. Thank you. And just like that, the rainy mayor of Toronto just steps down and drops a bombshell there in the news at 8.30 last night. You know, I think that this is a conversation that needs to be had because, um, look, I don't... I don't like him as, a, as as the mayor of Toronto. I, I never I never have. I've made that very very clear on the show for many many years. Now on this one, however, I'm going to give him a pass, and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to give him a pass. Because that's between him and his wife and his family, and uh, you know he he felt that uh, what was happening there was not becoming of the main job in Toronto, and he stepped down. Done. End of story. Now, the consequences of his actions, the consequences that need to be paid on this, are going to be felt in his family for decades. And, um, you know, for all of, all of you Christians out there, you know, you know, he who is free of sin cast the first stone, but, uh, you know, we seem to live in a society in which people just pick these big targets and we just step all over them when they're down. You know, I've always believed that affairs are not the reason marriages fail. Affairs are a side effect of a bad relationship. And uh, from that regard, the problem in that relationship was happening way, way before the affair even started. Because, you know, you don't, uh, if your stomach is full, you know, you don't go out to fast food. You know, you just don't do it. You know, like, uh, what was his name? Uh, the, the old mayor of Toronto. Rob, Ford. Rob Ford. Rob Ford. He says, you know, he had enough to eat at home, remember? One of the most <laughs> classic lines in the history of politicians in Canada. I love that guy, man. You know, the, the raw honesty that was coming out of that guy's mouth is something that we still talk about today. So I guess, you know... Uh, John Tory didn't have enough to eat at home. You know, the fridge was empty. <laughs> the, the, pa- <laughs> the, the pantry, the pantry was um, uh, what's that? Empty. I know what was that. I can't hear you, buddy. You can you can talk. It's okay. I just want you to use the soundboard. Oh, for what? I don't know. That was a good joke. Oh no, that was not even a joke, man. I was just, uh, you know, sharing my brilliant, uh, you know, soliloquies here on Saturday morning. But you know, what are your thoughts on that, Praveen, in, in relation to affairs at the office? Because you know, we all hear them. You know, in fact, look, my 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 last five serious relationships is with people that I have met while I was working. You know, we spend so much time at the office that it's virtually impossible for you not to develop or to meet people. Like, I I still, to this day, work 14 hours a day, every single day. And, and the only there is only one day that is an exception, and that is Sundays, because even though I work in the morning, I see the kids in the afternoon. You spend most of your time at the office, and inevitably... You start getting to know people in a different way, whether, you know, whether it's a coworker or staff or, you know, or, um, you know, or a customer. That's, that's how you, that's your social circle. You know, is it a, is it the big stigma that it used, that it used to be? Is it a lot more common that we care to admit? We all know in every single company, somebody who is dating somebody. I will tell you two things. One is. It is, sorry, it is the, good morning, everybody. Uh, 
it is where people meet now. Work is the new dating place, I believe. Now, I can say from personal experience, uh, I will be celebrating my 30th anniversary this summer. And okay, you're flexing now. You're, you're flexing now, man. Come no, on. No, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> But I met my wife at work where I worked 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's that's who we hung out with. That's who we uh, uh, worked with. We went out, all that kind of stuff. Nothing was inappropriate about it. But that's where people meet. And that's fine. And I think that's that's okay. Where you differ it, uh, differentiate, I think, is you have to be self-aware. And this is the other adage I worry about, which is I believe all power corrupts as well. And even somebody like Joe, whether you like him as a mayor or not, it he was a powerful man. He was the mayor of one of the largest cities in North America. And whatever you want to say about him, he had a responsibility. And, yeah, what his personal life is and if he had, you know, whatever. Do you think that, uh, you know, having this affair impacted his ability to conduct his job? Yes. because How of, so? Because of who he is as mayor. So what... You said just now you, you're not a fan of his. No, okay. I'm not a fan no, no, of his. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. But there are many fans of him because he got elected for a third term, right? So he now deprived the city of Toronto by stepping down because of his affair. He deprived the city of Toronto of a uh, an effective mayor, if you if you look at it that way. So it now, his, his uh, actions impacted the functioning of a city. Now, if he was... Somewhere else. Now, what, why he stepped down? He stepped down not because he was having an affair, at least my interpretation. I think that that's the reason why he stepped no, no, down. No, no, I think it's who he had the affair with. He had the affair with uh, a subordinate, yeah. which is not, which is frowned upon. It's just yeah, not, no, 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 no. You can have an affair with, you know, somebody in San Diego who has nothing to do with it. That's a personal issue. Yeah. He had an affair with somebody that works for him in a subordinate role. And that is, I think, I don't know if it's criminal or illegal or um, it's not. It's more than just inappropriate. It's there is lines that, are, that he cross within your own organization. So do you think, I mean, and, and let's, let's go romantic here for a while, okay? Let's, romantic. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop romantic. it. Yeah, I know. The word romantic stop coming it. from me. Like, stop it, Greg. Stop, stop, stop it. Stop making those eyes at me. <laughs> do, do you really think that um, when you start, you know, growing some feelings towards, you know, Developing feelings for somebody, you know, will have anything to do with the fact that somebody's your subordinate or not. I mean, uh, at the end of it all, when you spend that much that kind of time together with somebody, you you're bound to be exposed to this sort of contact, to, to this sort of bond, you know. Especially when you are in you know in the trenches with these people every single day. Next thing you know, it's like, wait a second, it's like I see you, <laughs> and uh, it, I don't no, think no, that I, this is as uncommon or as I. I I don't think you can, you can't, as a human, everybody is human and everybody has feelings. You can't avoid that. But what you can avoid is self, uh, self-aware of who you are and what role you play. Uh-huh. If, if I do it, nobody cares except my inner circle of people. I don't have cameras in my face every single day. I don't have the press waiting for every word for or against what I do. He was not 
well, he was, but he should have been self-aware of who he represented as the mayor of Toronto, mm-hmm. not some small city that nobody know, knew of. It. So do you think he would have been more acceptable if he was the uh, the mayor of uh, uh, Keswick? Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have uh, cared. I don't know. But then, then we then you're talking been, about a different, you know, it about, been, it about a double standard. It, absolutely, there is a double standard. It would have been a story on page 17, talked about the Keswick mayor, did this, and... Hey, 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 some, show some respect for Keswick, man. <laughs> Keswick. Um, but, uh, no, you're, you're talking about the mayor of Toronto. Don't forget, this is a guy who campaigned uh, politically... He's got a, a sordid uh, political career. He tried out for, uh, ran for everything, lost in everything, but persevered, finally became mayor of Toronto. And then he be, won a second term, won a third term. This is, he's a political animal. This is what he wanted. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, that's, that's the sort of thing that, um, that terrifies me about politics. Because uh, then everything that you do, everything you've done, everything that you're interested in, everything that you've ever said for your entire career, uh, is, everything becomes uh, part of the scrutiny. And uh, you, you get put in such a magnifying glass that it's impossible to live up to those perfect standards. And uh, as much as I... Uh, I don't like him as a as a mayor. I don't know him as a person. So you know, again, I I need to draw that line here. Um, I I don't. Uh, you know, it's easy for us to just step back and just you know point fingers at oh look at look at what you did. You know, shame on you. But the reality is this: that there is this is a lot more common than you may think, or a lot more common than you care to admit, because uh, we've we've all. We've all known someone. We've all known about this sort of situations. And uh, do you think that? Do you think that the age of the staffer is uh, is is an even bigger problem? No, I think that that adds to the salaciousness of it. I think that's a good it, word. It, it's, it's that's a, a good word, eh? Jacob. You know, you. take notes of that salaciousness. This is what I bring to this sh- this show. Up this show this morning. morning. Yeah, thank exactly. you, thank you. Yeah, it hit me. Let me just uh, look it up here. What does it mean, salaciousness? <laughs> Jacob's <laughs> checking that. How many ESL remember that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think it it adds to it. Uh, I don't think it, it it changes whether if it was a thirty one year old or if it was a fifty six year old. I think if she was still a subordinate um, to him, which pretty much everybody in City Hall is, because he's the top guy there. Yeah, it it, it is. It's just I think it's going to be interesting. You know, I think the press is going to hound. Uh, until her name is made public and we see a picture like this isn't going to go away like there's a appetite in public life now like when at the end of that press conference he says i respect your privacy you might as well say okay go search for it because that's what we're going to do there will be hundreds of uh you know press cars parked outside his house for the next six months until this goes away he needs to go on vacation he needs to take a long hiatus and uh, you know it won't be long until the identity of the staffer that he was hanging out with is going to come out and uh, she is going to be you know made fun of, of right through the calls oh, yes, yeah, maybe he'll um he'll pull a, a, the same move as one of my uh, favorite head coaches in the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury, go to Thailand for <laughs> <laughs> go to Thailand for a few months. Well, if she does uh, Instagram pictures like uh, Cliff's girlfriend, uh, <laughs> uh, that's a. Uh, but you know what? It, it, and I'm going to hit you with another big word. Okay, it's incredible amount of hubris. Okay, that Tori uh, displayed. If you showed me this morning 
the text from your uh, friend from yep. two years ago. Yeah. So this is two years of this of happening uh, of this inappropriate behavior, not from a personal Christian moral ground. I'm talking uh, this whole thing about subordinate thing. Yeah. This has happened for two years. What if this, there was a crisis in that middle of the time? You know, right well, now... Well, we, we were in the middle of one of the biggest crises that, the, the, that Toronto has ever seen. And this is the middle of the pandemic. And here I am, this holier-than-thou, uh, you know, gentleman telling us all everything that we're doing wrong, that we can't even go to parks. Do you remember when he banned city parks? That was John Tory for you. And in the in meanwhile, in the background, he is just having a. Ha- <laughs> but 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 that's exactly the point, though. So uh, what was that? Uh, January twenty. January thirteen of twenty twenty one is so when I was, knew about was, this. So okay, so do you, uh, do you remember recently what happened to Boris Johnson in England, the Prime Minister of uh, the former Prime Minister of uh, England? What happened to him? He part of the reason he was uh, ousted was <clears throat> he allowed whether he was participated or not. He allowed um, party, uh, his parties had parties yeah. uh, during the pandemic when he was telling everybody in England, stay away, stay away, no social party, everybody should you know, make sacrifices. Meanwhile, his whole uh, uh, cabinet and caucus were having Christmas parties, birthday parties, which he attended. He made himself the biggest hypocrite. Yes, sir. Uh, didn't that help? I think it was the health minister or someone high up in cabinet here. The same thing happened where they were saying, don't yeah. travel. I don't remember who it was, but don't travel. And then her and her husband took a trip to the Bahamas but or something. Why oh, are yeah, we yeah, surprised? Yeah. I This is the part that I don't get. Why are we surprised that our politicians are do as I say, but not as I do? This has always been. This is what defines politicians. You know, it's the same thing with Al Gore telling us all that the planet is dying because of our wrongdoing when it comes to the environment. Meanwhile, you know, I think last year he took like 350 trips on his private jet. And every time he flies, he uses or pollutes more than your entire lifetime worth of driving a car. And in. It, this is the hypocrisy that we are beaten with every single day on the news cycle with our politicians. But I think we expect more. I think that's what politicians are about. We ex- Anybody in authority, we expect more of them. Now, whether it happens or not, but, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't say I was necessarily a fan of John Tory, but I would say he I respect him in the fact that he he seemed to lead a major city without scandal. And it was kind of, I thought, boring politics. Well, he changed that in one big, one big swoop, right? With one big bang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it'll actually probably help his cred right now. But, uh, but no, I mean, I think uh, people expect it. And people are disappointed. It's just, it just happens over and over I don't think that people again. care, man, to be honest with you. I don't think that people care. And you're going to have all this, uh, you know, pundits now, you know, throwing the book out of him. Oh, you know, you embarrassing. You embarrassing. Us. You know, you let the whole city down. You know, you are you are a disappointment. Just stop it. Well, stop a, it. A year from now, I think people will just look at it as, as, a, as one big joke and no one's going to actually hold him. No one's going to really hold him accountable. It's just going to be a joke. He's going to have to live with that. He's going to have to live in an in infamy of being a, a, a meme, let's say, because 
people will remember this. No, yeah, but I mean, he's an adult. She's an adult. They do, did a lot of adult things. <laughs> but she worked for him. That's the difference. That's yeah, but she she stopped working for him at some point. No, no, no just now. She just resigned just now after uh, he. I think he said the. The affair ended by mutual consent, and then only recently she left City Hall for another job. But this whole period, now that we know it's over two years, uh-huh. uh like he didn't allude. He made it seem like it was like a, a you know one night stand kind of thing. But we now know through your thing, he's, your he's, breaking news. Uh, you know, he said years. he's sorry to interrupt you, but he said that the uh, this affair ended last year. No, no, I think he said it ended uh, earlier this year. Um. Okay. Earlier this year, this is only February. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it ended in, this thing only ended recently and only because probably somebody threatened to make it public. Yeah, that's and what. he beat it to it. He beat the, uh, beat them to the punch. Well, the, the less, the best, uh, you know, defense is a good offense, you know. You might as well just, you know. See, but I'll go you one further, Greg. And, you know, to your friend, and, yeah. you know, it, your friend had an interesting way of saying it. He knew he knew from whatever sources two years ago, right? Uh-huh. And he said, oh, you're going to see big news breaking soon. But obviously no big news broke two years ago. So somebody knew, and if he knew, you knew the press knew. Why was, why was it kept quiet for what reason? Because the press was in, in concert with his office for, to keep it quiet. Because if it was just news, they would have broke it two years ago. You know, Jacob... You know, in this press conference, he, he alluded to the time when the affair started. You know, do you remember this? When does it say, you know, can you play it again? I'm just curious now because I, you know, I, I think that there is a discrepancy on dates. I, I think we're going to go to Bruder film on this. Oh. <laughs> can you play it again? Just, I, I want to know something. Yeah. See if you can find it. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Let's let's take a short break, and uh, we're gonna find the little spot on the clip that that speaks of the time frame because uh, my uh, my news breaking friend sent it to me early, early uh, at the beginning of uh, two thousand. I mean, twenty twenty one. Folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. If you have something to say on the matter, call us two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. We are coming to you live here from the center of Rexdale. <laughs> uh, Saga nine sixty a.m. is where Slacker Nation lives. Uh, let's go for a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show.
talking about underrated songs. You know, I, I was listening to this this song yesterday and uh, I kept giving it time for it to just start getting into the, the meat and potatoes of the song. And uh, uh, in the process of, you know, deciding to put it on, keep, keep playing it for a little bit longer if you don't mind. The, um, I understood that uh, there were really no lyrics to this song and they invited this lady that at the time was a 25-year-old you know, new singer and they asked her to improvise on what to say and how to sing it and she had no idea what she wanted to do and in the process of failing a bunch of times because uh, they, there was, she did a, a bunch of takes and they didn't like it the moment that she decided to turn herself into an instrument is when this just came out and I decided that I was for sure going to listen to this song when I was baked <laughs> did, you, did you find the clip there? Yes. Yeah. Can okay. Let's hear the clip here. As to uh, let's let's do investigative reporting here. Uh, let's see what John Tory says as to when this took place. Let's go. No matter. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards <clears throat> to which I hold myself as mayor and as a family man. The relationship ended by mutual consent earlier this year. During the yeah, so I never gave specific dates. So but it's, it's, it started during the pandemic and then earlier this so year. So that's three that's years. Yeah, the pandemic started in 2020, no? Yeah. So finished on... 2020, 2021, 2022, we're in 2023. Yeah, two years, two and a half years, yeah, roughly. So we've known, I've known about this for a long time. And you know, actually, my source... <laughs> yes, it sounds so funny. I have sources now. That's great. My source says... Uh, I don't know if I should get into this, man. I might get myself into. Hey, huh? I'm just reading your phone. I'm just reading my phone. Okay, I'm, that's all I'm doing. Eh? This is this is my source. And actually, my my program director here is has seen this. is is not made up stuff. No. You know, my phone says. Um, okay, so this is what my text said, January 13, 2021. You know, John Tory is in for a rough ride in the next uh, in the not too distant future you know his mother-in-law f uh, flew a private jet to Palm Beach after Christmas uh, this is at the time that we had a full lockdown and uh, and he has been expletive a staffer in his office and will all go public soon and I said I said to him how do you know he said to me a very good source told me tonight I'm not sure about the timing soon apparently the Ford team has this information as well what that is what that is i'll use that word again salacious information that is uh, now folks again i have no way to confirm or deny that this is true or not true but um this is what my sources were sending to me two years ago actually it's over two years ago we've known about this situation that just came out to light and uh, you know the, the very next thing that he he sent to me last actually I had completely forgotten about this and I'm being perfectly honest with you I you know I I don't remember the things that I did two weeks ago never mind two years ago and uh, this is one of the reasons why I always tell people that whenever you buy a car and somebody promises you something if it's not on the bill of sale it didn't happen you know, if it's not on the bill of sale, it didn't happen. I repeat this for the, you know, one trillion time. If it's not on the bill of sale, it didn't happen because your memory is the absolute worst place to store information. 
you will forget. Believe me, you will forget. So, you know, he sends me a, a, a screenshot of the message. This is my buddy. And he says, look when I sent you this. And it's only coming out now. Politics is, are evil. Media and everyone suppressed this until now. I wonder why. And I said, that's nuts. He says, yep. You know, just so you know, I'm not a crackpot. My info was right. Ha, 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 ha. Tory just resigned because of this affair. We live in interesting times, folks. And, you know, I don't know if you've, uh, have you been watching the, um, the Twitter files, the deposition uh, in the Senate in the United States when they were, they were interviewing everybody that worked for Twitter and uh, they were leaking information about people against the, the, the Trump regime from the FBI. And then you think, really? Is this all happening underneath our noses and uh, we don't even pay attention to who is deciding what you hear, who is deciding what you say? This is the problem with censoring free speech. Who censors it? Elon and Musk. Actually, I don't think that... Uh, you know, <laughs> look, man, I, I need to... Uh, I have a couple of confessions. Um, I've always thought that uh, Elon Musk is a bit of a... You know, it's like... <laughs> there is some stuff going on with him. You know, especially with this... Uh, you know, the Tesla and, and all the stuff that he does. Uh, I'm not a you know big believer in the... I do think that electric vehicles will be the future at some point. Not now. Not now. Uh, but he's... Uh, over the years, uh, he has changed my mind about him. I do think that he has some good intentions. Like, I mean, I think that this is all coming from a place of good. And what he did at Twitter... Uh, it's nothing more than a gangster move. That was just gangster. You know, he he bought Twitter because he could. He literally kicked out everyone that uh, was essentially censoring free speech, which is what the platform was there to begin with in the first place. And now, you know, he's exposing all this shadow banning and, and, and all this deep connection with the government. You know, to marginalize and eliminate political opponents and to hide information, which is something that we see right here in Toronto with this uh, John Tory situation. So with that, do you believe in a line? In a is, what? Is there a line? You, you talk about free speech. Is there a line? No. You don't think there's a line? No, I don't think so. And, and you know, I think that um, the problem is this. At the moment that you put a line is when you need to have somebody to enforce that line. And that line will always be different depending on the side of the political spectrum that you find yourself in or the government that is in power. You know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, the only solution for crappy ideas is sunlight. You know, you expose them. And you have better ideas to give you the antidote for those bad ideas. And, you know, look. Even you, if they're short-term pain. Uh, absolutely. Uh, this is how we orient ourselves as a society. You know, we discuss and we all know if, you know, if you have an outlandish opinion, you know, society as a whole is going to do everything possible to suppress this ideology. And this is the problem, you know. I, I was one of those, I don't know how old you are. You, you, are you in your 40s still? Uh, no. No, how old are you? 58. You're, what? 
Dude, I look like I'm your dad. <laughs> dad? <laughs> Somebody take a, get a DNA set. Papa? What's <laughs> <laughs> that time in Chile? What's the one time? <laughs> I had an affair. Oh, no. With a staffer in Chile, yes. Okay. Um, Con la secretaria. Uh, you know, you made me lose my train of thought here. What was I saying? What was I saying? Come on. Help me with this. I was getting into something. Uh, you were getting into... Oh, no, no. Ah. You see, that's the problem. This is how I show my age, folks. I had a point that His I was... young like, age. Uh, no, man. You know. Kids. Oh, this is what I was going to say. That I was fortunate enough to, uh, to have reached uh, adulthood without computers. So this is before social media. This is before Google. This is before computers in general. And I was an adult when computers came around. And uh, because I have been involved in advertising for so long, you know, I understood this whole notion of behavioral, you know, patterning. So, you know, when when about 15, 16 years ago, uh, people were talking about artificial, uh, artificial intelligence for the system to provide you a customized user experience in which everything that you were looking for, it was given to you on a menu. So the computer's job is not to give you the right information. It was just to prove you that you're right. That's the computer's job. And, and I don't think that people understand how corrosive this can be in your own perception of your reality. You see, Google is not designed to tell you the truth. It's, to, it's designed to give you the perfect answer to the question that you're asking it. Do you see the difference? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is Justin Trudeau the best prime minister that Canada has ever had? Sure, yes, he is. And you, he's going to find another thousand articles to corroborate the biggest lie that I have ever said on this radio show. I just said that. Hmm. I think what you're trying to say is there's no objectivity. There's no pure objectivity. Thank you for translating. Um, yeah. In fewer words. In, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. The show's gone. I have three hours to, to cover, man. You know, I, I need to I need to make my uh, second language as flowery as possible. You know, I can deep into uh, I can dig deep into my thespian uh, soul. You know, so I can just talk for you know for three hours straight. But you know, we have to be careful with the stuff that's being fed to us by you know social media and the system. This is not news to anybody uh, but I don't you know what do you think that John Tory's fate is going to be I think it's going to he's going to fade away and in about a month no one's going to care they're going to people are going to be looking until we get a picture in the Toronto Star or whoever whatever paper of the of the staffer people in Toronto will not rest and then John Tory is going to write his memoirs and yes. we're going to make him rich again and he's going to go and speak in tours like uh, Bill Clinton did. I did not have sex without... Uh, you know, what's we, that? We have that. We do? Yeah. And I worked on it till pretty late last night. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> uh, uh, that's we, we live in interesting times folks we live in interesting times and you know and the, the, the you know the sad thing about it all is that Monica Lewinsky's life was destroyed forever mm-hmm. forever because she will always be that girl absolutely and the Clinton legacy they made themselves billionaires afterward 
and I am guilty as charged because at one point I actually, uh, you know, I, di I didn't mind Bill Clinton so much. This is before I saw the light. You know, I uh, I saw him speak downtown Toronto. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, were you there? Was yeah, I saw him speak, and uh, you know, he's a very, very captivating speaker. I mean, Jesus, is I haven't seen Obama. Uh, I don't think I will ever see him. I think that he's mm. probably one of the worst presidents in my lifetime Stop. in the United States. Stop. Um, why? Because Stop. you disagree, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. we know you also like Justin Trudeau, so I guess we disagree <laughs> on that too. But anyways, <laughs> and John Tory. Folks, we have a special guest. Um, you know, I have a couple of special guests coming today, and uh, the show is going to start enjoying this sort of uh, experiences. Uh, we have uh, a Canadian musical icon uh, coming to join us this morning. Jeff Wood is going to be joining us here on the other side of the hour. So if you like rock and roll and you like stories about rock stars, you probably should stay tuned in. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Before you make any car buying decisions, you need to come and see me because you know better. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasso Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg Carrasco. Nation congregates here every single Saturday morning, and as you all know, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and uh, uh, we have a um, 
a tire campaign going on right now. So if you're looking for tires and uh, we, we, wanna, we truly want to make Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity the largest tire provider in the province of Ontario. And uh, we not only will match or beat any competitor's prices in relation to all off brands uh, and with Nissan Infinity brands, we will match any advertised price and we will throw in free tire storage. And as you all know, when you're driving those giant hulking SUVs, those tires are not easy to store. They're a couple of hundred pounds each. It's, it's not an easy thing to uh, to move around. So we will provide you with free tire storage for a limited time only and uh, just come and see us. So before you buy tires anywhere, just come and check out our prices and see what you think. We have enough there to keep you rolling. They see me rolling. They're hating. That used to be the intro song for the show, Jacob, for, for a long, long time. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Why? You don't like it? No, it's just kind of a gimmicky song. It is. But, I mean, it's, it's, it, it has its place in pop culture for sure. Well, I can tell you something else that has its place in pop culture is my next guest. Jeff Wood is, uh, has been around for a very, very, very long time, and I was uh, lucky enough to spend some, you know, uh, lucky enough to spend some time with him at uh, one of my buddies' uh, Halloween party. Now I'm a very forgettable character, so I don't expect him to remember this conversation. But uh, he was, uh, <laughs> he was the cool guy in the corner with all the tattoos. <laughs> you know, some people are born and they're genetically gifted. You know, I, I, I was not on that uh, side of the equation. But uh, it's good to have you here, Jeff. How are you this morning? Greg, thank you. I, I'm totally well. Yeah, I was born on the bad side of the moon, I think. So that, that <laughs> sort of was a, a setup for the way I ended up looking. Oh, stop it. But, uh, you know, you've been around, you know, Canadian music for such a long time. You know, uh, at what point you say, you know, I, I, I listen to music. I, I, I love learning about the history of all of this. Uh, you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to make a career out of this. How did that take place? Well, you know, you're a kid and you're in your bedroom a lot listening to records and listening to the radio. That's all I seem to want to do until I discovered girls. But music was something that <laughs> You was and John Tory. <laughs> a constant companion, right? I mean, what, what but the music is always there for you. So at the age of about 16 in high school, I thought, what next? As I was thinking about, you know, a job or post-secondary university, college, whatever. And so I went to the the guidance counselor office. Uh-huh. Do they still have those? I, suspect, I, suspect uh, so. I think I think they call and, them therapists now. <laughs> and I and I asked about uh, colleges that might have um, courses in radio. So I got into radio and thought um, I was a musician, still am. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't like the prospect of going on the road and touring. And I didn't have the confidence at that point to go and do that. So I thought, I'll play records on the radio and I'll shine light on the artists who make them. Um, not realizing at the age of 16 that I'd end up meeting most of my you know, heroes, as it were, and, uh, and get to do this my entire life thus far. That uh, you know that that was an, a very early realization. I, I think that uh, uh, you know finding you know what what your purpose is at such a young age is it will be the, the perfect recipe for a successful career. And you know, uh, as I was reading about you, because uh, I I heard that you were coming on the show, you know, sometime this week, and I started to read about you, and you know, all the compliments to you. Now, you know, I'll, I'll give you an analogy on this, uh, Jeff. 
one of the reasons why I have never gone skydiving is because nothing will be fun after that. And uh, I wonder what the correlation is when you get to speak to someone like David Bowie and you know, no conversation is ever going to be as relevant as that conversation. Uh, how do you handle on a personal level? How do you handle life after you get exposed to that level of iconic presence? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, yeah, uh, David, that was and continues to be what I call my favorite interview for lots of reasons. Um, however, I'll tell you those in a few minutes. It always comes back to Bowie or the Beatles somehow. Uh-huh. However, it doesn't matter who I'm sitting with, Greg. It could be an unknown from down the block who happens to be a great uh, songwriter who comes by my studio in the Blue Mountains and we do an interview. And it's just as exciting no matter who's sitting there in many regards because it comes back to the song and the music and my prerequisite for sitting down with somebody and talking about what they do for a living mm-hmm. music is uh, is connecting with one of their songs at least one of them or a couple of them and and you know the 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 power of a song is 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 immense um whether it's well known or unknown it can be anyway right depends on your taste and and what time of day it is and what you had for breakfast and just, you know, whether you connect with it or not. So conversations with just about anyone, known or unknown, can be incredibly um, inspiring, moving. And uh, so that's what keeps it interesting mm-hmm. all these years, even after, even 20 years after speaking with David Bowie. Rest in peace. I, um, you know... Inevitably, when whenever you you know you're having a conversation with someone that has been exposed to all these rock stars, uh, you know you you want to get into their mind and and see and and see what what you saw, what what you felt, uh, you know icons like him and I have a bunch of other questions about some of the other people that you have met I mean from you know David Bowie to the Rolling Stones to you know Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and uh, you know Bob Seger and so on and so on the the list is endless you know from you know from the standpoint of Bowie what what was some of the things that you know that came to mind the most as you were having this conversation with him was he a normal person was he as eccentric as he you know portrayed himself to be was he the this, you know, creative genius that uh, was impossible to for us to the, the common the mere mortals to understand. What what did you feel when you were having this conversation? You know, he quickly uh, uh, it was it was disarming because uh, I was intimidated a little bit because you spend you know your, your life listening to the records and seeing the images and. And hearing the stories, and then you're face to face with this person suddenly. Wow! Right? But he very quickly put me at ease because a couple of things. He spoke. You're the only person in the world when you sit down and speak to David Bowie. Once he gives you his attention, he does not take his attention away. He doesn't take his eyes off you. He doesn't stop focusing on just you. Mm-hmm. Um, and. and, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you just how it went in a minute in terms of how much time I was allotted and how much time I actually got with him, which was really incredible. But one of the things I knew about David all these years, and one of the things you hear about him, is that he's incredibly well read. He 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 would read two books in a day. 
he was a voracious reader. And, and that's what gave him the vocabulary. He not only um, was able to use uh, words correctly in context of what he was speaking of, he didn't use them uh, unwisely. He didn't waste them. He didn't use them just to use them. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he just had such a, he just had such a broad vocabulary and he was able to explain things, um, not only intelligently, but so that, you know, regular people could, could understand, understand what he had to say. Right. He was that guy. He was, you know, he was an average bloke in many ways who you could go to the pub with and have a beer. Um, at the same time, you know, we know his artistry was beyond. The thing is, he 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 spoke to me like uh, I'd known him for 20 years. And that was that was just a feeling of warmth. Um, when we first met, he was incredibly late. Greg, mm-hmm. And. He was incredibly apologetic. I mean, I flew in from Toronto. I'm in New York City. Uh, he, he, he comes over. He goes, I'm so sorry. I, I'm not ready yet, even. But when I am, uh, we'll have a good chat. I hope you like the record. And then he disappeared. But within 10 minutes, he came back. Uh-huh. And we went and sat down. And we, and we had this great chat about his entire career. And at the end of it... Instead of getting the 30 minutes that was allotted, he was there 65 minutes later. And, and, and he still you know, wasn't in a hurry to leave. And I think the reason, Greg, is this. He understood that I understood his career and understood his music mm-hmm. and understood him. And, and more than anything with artists, the easiest way, the most effective way to get them to open up to open up and talk to you to let them know to let them know that you know the new record and that was important to him that not only did I know it but I connected with some of the songs in very specific ways and once he understood that he was uh, you know, putty in my hands as it were that was uh, that must have been a, a catapult to your career. I mean, you have this this Canadian guy, you know, interviewing uh, you know one of the biggest rock stars of of our lifetime. You know, how did that impact your career going forward? Because this must have opened the doors for you uh, to speak to some other big names. And uh, you know, how did you handle that? Because when whenever you come, you know, you have you know friction with 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 that sort of uh, superstars, it must have an impact on you. No. Well, it had an impact on me more than anyone, and certainly had an impact on on his uh, hardcore fans who got to hear that. And he hadn't done an interview in a little while because you know it was a new record. But you know, it didn't really affect my career as such. In that, I was already kind of the guy mm-hmm. that the Canadian record labels went to when they had a new record by a vintage artist. I was already kind of that guy doing world album premieres, so. You know, I was that guy already, so I continued to be that guy. <laughs> so, you know, once you've had, you know, uh, Paul Rogers from Bad Company and George Thurgood and Bob Seger and some of the other ones you mentioned, you know, Joe Walsh from the Stones and mm-hmm. Pink Floyd, David Bowie's another in the list, um, but he happened to be my favorite. So it was it was a big deal for me personally. In terms of my career, it was more of the same, really. You know, that's fascinating. You know, we um, what I want you to do for me, so we're going to take a very, very short break. And on the other side of the break, I want to ask you about your your conversation with Bob Seger because, uh, you know, he sings one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. But also, uh, he uh, he sings one of the songs that uh, somebody, another power band uh 
you know, did a, a cover of, you know, turned the page, which happens to be my absolute favorite song of all times. And uh, I, I, I want to explore that with you and, you know, with cover songs that people have done of, you know, of icons of old, and uh, they've turned it into, you know, more modern uh, versions of the same. And I want to ask you about some of your favorite ones. So let's take a short break. And uh, again, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We're going to take a short break. Uh, folks, we'll be right back. Toronto. When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. What's up, guys? This is Vito Belfer, and you are listening to one of the toughest guys on air. Greg Carrasco Show, man. Congratulations on your show. I wish you all the best. Toronto. Stay safe out there. God bless you, man. This is Vito Bell for the Phenom. Ready to strike. Let's go. Slacker Nation is uh, is thrilled to have a Canadian music icon Jeff Woods is with us here, uh, you know, talking to the slacker himself, Carrasco. Uh, you know, I um, you know, during the break, I I got a text from one of my mentors, Jeff. Uh, his name is Gary Bowman, and uh, he says you have the actual Jeff Woods on your show. This is this is amazing, he says. But then I, you know, I sent him. You know, would you like to ask him something? And uh, the text is the following text. You know, ask him who was the most intimidating person he's ever interviewed, and why. And I thought that that was a very very insightful question. <laughs> it is. Wow. Mm. It's a tough one. In the earliest days of talking to, you know, people who you grew up listening to and never thought you'd actually meet, it might have been it might have been Getty and Alex from, from Rush. Although within sixty seconds of meeting them, they were sweet and kind and fun and funny and had smiles. It was no longer intimidating. And that seems to be the theme of meeting everybody I ever met. If they if they smiled somehow, the intimidation factor it goes away. away. It goes away. Yeah. Why but did you? you... Know, as I say that, Greg. Uh-huh. As I say that, I think back to being in New York in the late '90s and sitting down with Page and Plant from Zeppelin. And I have to admit, I have to admit, when Robert came through the door, uh-huh. he looked about seven and a half feet tall with his hair. Yeah, and and that was an intimidating moment, no question. And you know what? He wasn't particularly 
warm and and and, <laughs> and gentle in the first half hour. So I was pretty intimidated in that conversation. I have to admit. Well, not only you have the lead singer of probably the absolute biggest and best rock and roll band of all times, but but also, you know, you have somebody that is uh, the uh, he's got the patina of, of the world on his face. You know, he he's probably been approached and interviewed, you know, you know, thousands and thousands of times, and at some point, the charm is gotta wear off. Uh, you know, when you have so many people approaching you on a regular basis, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, Robert Robert would redeem himself because I speak to him uh, several more times over the years. But uh, I think if you were if you were a cute young girl, uh, and when I say young, I mean you know I mean twenties, thirties, um, the charm was was not uh, missing. But uh, Robert always had an axe to grind with the media because let's face it, the media could be unkind. To, uh, to everyone, any celebrity, music or otherwise, as you know. And, and I think Robert was usually entering a room with the media with the sense that maybe they were going to be one of those unkind um, media types that would just talk about his personal life rather than the music. I never went down that road. I always went for the music. And what I found, Greg, was that when you talked about the music and they understood that you had an affinity for it, and cared enough about it to, to sit down with them and talk specifically about that, they opened up about everything else, too. So yeah. you kind of get what you give in this business. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you uh, you put together a, I guess it's your life work, really, a, a collection of all these interviews and uh, exchanges that you had with this, you know, music greats uh, into into a book, Radio, Records, and Rockstars. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, I'd love to. You know, in, in, in around 2014, I thought, why don't I do a book? People had said, why don't you do a book? Why don't you talk about the experiences you had in radio and the record business? And in the retail business and flying around the world and talking to these artists and uh, and I thought great idea why wait until I'm in my 70s or 80s <laughs> you got a long way to go man come on right um, so yeah I, I thought why not I've got I've got a book here I think so I started writing um, and what the book is radio records and rock uh, what it is is my life and all of this mm -hmm. um, alternating alternating between that, the chapters of that, and chapters of the actual artist interviews that I transcribed. So there's about 25 of those interviews that you get um, with all of the people we've talked about and loads more. And, uh, and sort of my experience in between all of it, um, moving around this country, uh, seven, eight, nine cities, <laughs> 30 times, and uh, and then pursuing a, a career in, in in radio and in music and in and in meeting these uh, these you know heroes of music. Mm -hmm. So the books the books fun. It's available in audio too. I took the original interviews and and took the actual audio from them and put that into the audio book. So it's that's, a different experience. That sounds uh, and, and, and that's available on audi Audible, and it's still you know every 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 day it sells another copy. So. I'm pleased about that. 
You know, we are we are so, uh, you know, we have the proclivity to look for content in the United States and in other countries, but uh, we have our own authors here in Canada that we, we should support, especially professional interviewers and, and, and all general, general all around interesting people like yourself. And and I think that it's important to support our, you know, our own talent here in, in the process. So if you're looking for a fun read, go and find this book, Radio Records and Rockstars by Jeff Wood. You're going to find it in paperback and also an audiobook. Uh, you can get it in, in Amazon and Audible, correct? That's correct, yeah. Amazon has the uh, the paperbacks and Audible has the audiobooks. It's funny you mentioned a Canadian versus American. There were two times in my career, two I can remember, that um, the Americans didn't have access to artists that they wanted to uh, they wanted to you know highlight on, on their radio stations across the U.S. One of them was, was Neil Peart when Neil Peart the drummer from Rush uh-huh. passed um, they came to me and said can we have some of the interviews he did with Neil over the years because Neil didn't grant a ton of interviews he typically talked to uh, Jim Ladd in Los Angeles and uh, and myself in Canada and Strombo um, so 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 I you know would make radio specials in the United States America. That's that's yeah. fascinating. So he, here's a question for you. Um, you know, before the break, I alluded to this to this cover song, and um, you know, in all fairness, and I don't know if you're a fan of Metallica, but I mean, you're a fan of music, so you have to be. These guys are, you know, they are my favorite band. Uh, they cover the song uh, "Turn the Page" by Bob Seger. Um, what were your thoughts on that cover, if you have any? And of all the the covers that you have seen from you know over the years, which one stands stands out in your professional uh, opinion in relation to the music? That's a great question. And first of all, yeah, Metallica. I'm a big fan of James Hetfield. The funniest thing about my relationship to that is that. Pretty much every, well, let me tell you this. Yesterday, I was out. I was in my little town. And uh, I could tell, you know, somebody was giving me the eye. And I usually know what that means. It means this. They think that I am James Hetfield of Metallica. Are the same. (laughs) Usually how it goes is they come over and they say, has anybody ever and I finished the sentence, ever told me that I look like James Hetfield? You're the first today. <laughs> when we laugh. Actually, that is true, because when I met you, I thought, damn, he looks like James Hetfield. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of James in particular, and certainly of Metallica. I think that their cover of the Bob Seger tune, Turn the Page, was exemplary. Um, all the all the stuff they all the covers they did on Garage Days, uh, I thought was amazing. Um, they covered a lot of punk rock, a lot of hard rock. You know, another one that I love is what they did to the song that Tim Lizzie made famous, "Whiskey in the Jar." Oh yeah, that's some, that's amazing too. Right. So, so I got to meet James uh, in Toronto when they played the Opera House Metallica. That is a few years ago, uh-huh. and we sat down and had an interview, and, and he was really forthcoming. And really a, a sweet guy, and obviously one of the greatest front men in all rock and roll, in my estimation. 
And, uh, you know, he, he's, he still is. And, you know, I, I'll tell you a little bit about, uh, you know, my uh, love affair with Metallica. Uh, I was originally born in Chile. And uh, uh, as you all know, South America is a huge metal uh, <laughs> geographical uh, success down there. You know, everybody in South America is deep into it, into metal rock. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you grew up doing the dictatorship in Pinochet in Chile in the, in the 80s, uh, you know, there was not a lot of access to this stuff, but uh, we were listening to Latin rock and whatnot. But uh, this somebody brought a tape of this band with this album called Kill Em All. And I was I remember being 14, 15 years old. The first time that I came across hit the lights and I thought this is something else. Like, I, I need this in my life. And then soon after that, I became a big fan of Metallica in the 80s. And uh, I was fortunate enough. I mean, when my eldest son, Josh, uh, Jeff, was little, uh, he would headbang with me uh, to Metallica albums when he was a baby. So w when I finally got to see them, this was a few years back when they played at the um, at the Rogers Center. Uh, my son came with me, and it was like the passing of the torch because uh, you know he was looking uh, he was looking at me headbanging to Metallica, thinking, "Who are you, man?" And he brought back all those memories that we had when he was little, and you know that get got passed along. But saying that. Um, my one of my favorite songs of Metallica is uh, "Pulling Teeth Anesthesia" that you know came out of that first album. But when Robert Trujillo, you know, went to the front and and went really low with that bass guitar and started you know slapping the bass, uh, it was one of the most remarkable and iconic moments of my life listening to these guys. But I can only imagine you sitting there talking to James Hetfield. Uh, you know, you inevitably you want to live. Uh, your life through you in that sense is there do you have any of those uh, interviews on this book uh, I don't have any no, Metallica the Metallica interview was uh, uh, the James interview that is came uh, came, came afterwards after yeah came afterwards finished. yeah just about a year after the book was finished so that didn't make it in but uh, yeah James was great uh, I'm a huge fan I mean I was on the radio in the 80s in Halifax at a station called The Rock of the Atlantic so you can imagine we played Metallica, including <laughs> songs from Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning, and then and I had a metal show for two hours every Friday night. So Metallica fared quite prominently in that one. Did you? No. <laughs> You know, I'll ask you something because, uh, you know, I get this is all self-interest here. Which one was your favorite bass player? Because they, they had, you know, four in total. But, uh, you know, Cliff Barton was the most iconic one of them all. Jason Newstead, nobody like. And Robert Trujillo seems to be making all the impact right now. Which one was your favorite one? I'm a fan of all of them. I only really spent time with, with Jason. We, we did an interview with Metallica, uh, played The Warehouse in Toronto. Um, but, you know, Cliff is the most iconic of them. Cliff was sort of, uh, as much as anyone, uh, the heart and soul of that band. Um, and I remember when he died, um, when the van overturned uh, the bus in the 80s. I was on the radio when the news came out about that, and that was super sad. Cliff, Cliff was the, the most iconic, but Robert's really taken the the, the reins, and and uh, you know between between the way as you put it, he slaps his bass um, <laughs> between his that and his stance on stage, and and just the the pure joy in his face when he smiles uh, every time you see him in, in press. 
and even on stage sometimes while he's very intense he's also very uh, joyful about playing music and I love that about him you know Jeff I, I on behalf of the 80,000 people that listen to this radio show every single Saturday morning I want to thank you for joining Slacker Nation here and uh, folks I have with me Jeff Woods here and uh, can you tell us one more time uh, the name of the book and where can people find it I, you also have a show here on Saga 960 no I, I don't know the, the time yeah you have it on, on Saturdays what time is your show uh, Jeff oh yeah well 7 o'clock Sunday is the last I is the last I noticed that it's syndicated yeah for sure for uh, sure records and rock stars and you know it's it's funny because uh, I'm starting uh, a four part series this weekend called The Evolution of Classic Rock. In part one, it's the 50s, but uh -huh. it's not just the 50s. It, 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 goes from, it, it goes from Chuck Berry to Johnny Cash. You mentioned cover songs, and, uh, and Johnny's Hurt is, is among the songs we play in part one, um, which is, I, I think, among my favorite covers of all time. So that's 7 p.m. Sunday, last I checked, uh, records and rock stars. As for the book, And, uh, and the radio show, and the radio show has become a podcast, and my other podcast, which is uh, about relationships, called The Blue Hotel, and the book and the audio book and everything we've talked about, it's all at jeffwoodsradio.com. Jeffwoodradio.com. Jeff, you have an open invitation, dude. You can come on the show whenever you want. If you have any announcements, if you want to share anything with the public, you are welcome to come here any time you like. It's been delightful to spend the last almost 40 minutes with you. Time flies when you're having a good conversation. Jeff, thank you so much for you know making time for us this morning. It's such a pleasure, Greg. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend, folks. We're going to take a short break. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to follow that up, but, uh, you know, we are going to reset, uh, you know, have a short break here. We'll be right back after a couple of minutes. Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons, and now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! Hey Jude, don't make it bad, take a side. Just missed an iconic performance of Carrasco singing "Hey Jude." I don't. I think he cut my microphone on as I was singing with this beautifully congested voice. Well, it was a duet. I was singing too. You know the the swarthy Spaniard accent would just coming right through with this congested Paolo, voice. Paolo McCartney. Paolo McCartney. <laughs> Paolo McCartney. <laughs> That's his. <it. laughs> 
<laughs> so Paul McCartney's not his name in Chile. It's Paulo McCartney. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. You know, how do you follow up that interview with Jeff Woods, man? I, I feel, you know, he's interviewed David Bowie, Sammy Hager, you know, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and then I have to interview Praveen. <laughs> and then and me and, and Jacob <laughs> and then Praveen shames me for you know saying that Metallica is my absolute favorite band of all times and then he slaps me with the fact that his favorite band is Genesis who is Genesis Phil Collins Peter Gabriel good god I don't know who the, the I think it's a third person. I don't remember who. Oh no. And he's, he's coming over. Oh, See, no. He's got some some damn fighting words, man. I, I will How say can Genesis, you possibly compare Metallica to Genesis? I, I, I don't think he's comparing them. He's just saying that he likes it. Genesis, they were the, as as musicians, they were quite talented. Like Phil Ooh. Collins, great instrumentalist. Peter Gabriel has made some great music. I just as you know, whole. this he he he's triggered now. You know, in typical leftist fashion, yeah, he's triggered. Right. You know, his feelings okay, are. This show is about to be canceled right now. So. <laughs> How can you possibly Genesis, compare? Genesis plays more than three chords. I okay. see, and you That's think that Metallica the, doesn't? I think there's two. Maybe three oh chords. Oh my lord! It's the same song over, over and, and over and really? over again. I can play a, a, a music loud. Okay. Oh, you you really think so, eh? You you really yes. think so? Yes. Oh no! I I, will, I, I think okay. that tell me tell me in the next hour. Okay. Because we'll give time. I know you got to do some stuff. You play me. We'll find your favorite Metallica song, and I will I will get you my favorite uh, Genesis song. Um, and we'll 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 have a uh, a, a song off, a song off now. A song off now, based on on music and, or and, based and, on and lyrics Jacob and Jake music, just overall, just in music, music, music oh, and lyrics. Man, music and, and, and I, am I the winner? Do I get to decide no, no, who J wins? Jacob can contribute too. He can put in his favorite song. Oh, okay. we, we my favorite song, yeah, and we want we want the listeners to vote in. I don't know if Greg wants me to play my favorite song though. After last week, no, 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 no. Please don't, 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 don't. don't, 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 don't he was not a fan know. of my music. You know, I lost I lost listeners last week because of what he was putting on the radio. <laughs> 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 and we were trying to please Jody, but you know she is. Uh, you know, we're trying to play some dance music because uh, you know she she's still living on the uh, on, on the club years. <laughs> like there is more to music than just that. You know. Hey, listen, aren't aren't you kind of like really excited about tomorrow? What do you mean? Like your all time favorite artist is like the halftime show tomorrow. Oh, Brianna. Yeah. Yeah. She's, How come you haven't talked about this yet? She's cute. Oh. She is cute. You know, a little known fact that I've seen Rihanna more than I've seen any that's other what, artist. That's a sad fact. But it is a sad fact. It's a sad fact. Listen, I am not saying that I I don't have personal biases. So you're going to be that dude tomorrow. You're going to be that one dude who's not going to watch the football game. We're going to wait for halftime show. Tomorrow. No, I, I don't watch football. I know. So you're going to watch. You're going to wait for the halftime show. No, I won't even do that. I won't You're not going to no, not even for no. Rihanna. Rihanna is not going to make me watch football. Well, you I'm can, sorry, you man. You can just wait till the halftime show starts. No, I got better things to do. But you know, oh I, I have seen her in Toronto here three times now. And one time she was so unbelievably close to me that I think that her hair beat me in the face. <laughs> and I've never washed my face since. 
<laughs> what, what, what do you think about uh, our, our little orange friend down in the states saying nasty things about Rihanna? And actually, when listen, uh, um, our orange friend, our you know, friend. have some have some respect to the absolute best president that U.S. has ever had. <laughs> Uh, are know, we still on air? Uh, we, we are still on air. Are yeah. we still on air? You know, okay. listen. I, we need to show some respect to uh, you know President Trump. I, I think that he is the best president that you, the states has had in my lifetime. Anyways, um, <laughs> you see, you see, when somebody doesn't have, have an argument, a valid argument, they usually laugh. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, let's let's have a comparison. You know, you know, America's Trump and Biden's Trump, and then you know, very very quickly, you'll understand. Uh, what is happening here? You're going to say, oh, you know, what's happening today is because his fault, because of the things that he did. No. This now explains no. Metallica. Trump listens to Metallica or Metallica. No, you know, Genesis. That's right. Biden listens to Genesis for sure. You know, he listens to uh, In the Air Tonight for sure, just like his brain. <laughs> you got to be the drums on In the Air Tonight. Is, is, that's, one of the, that's an all-time music moment. Yeah, the there, was a, there was a video. I think it was a TV commercial of a gorilla, gorilla. playing. Cadbury. You know, huh? It was a Cadbury chocolate. Commercial. Is that what it was? Yeah. That was one of the most iconic commercials ever. Yeah. You know, one day we're going to talk about commercials because I'm a big fan of advertising. But uh, you know, I'm also a big fan of comedy, and the fact that uh, Genesis is uh, Praveen's favorite band is one dude, of the most comedic dude. things that I've heard on the show since we started. Um, we will but, change. We will change people's minds. Do you really want to have a song off? We really? Will. Yes. Uh, I'm not here every Saturday. I'm not here any Saturday. But we're gonna. If I'm here, we're gonna have a song off. Well, you know, I... Uh, in the last, don't you have a segment in the show called uh, Grievances? The Hour of the Grievances. There will be the Grievances. You that think so? My Grievance will so be my when song. when do you want to have the song off? Well, I think we have a couple of guests. We still have a guest or so. Yeah, we have do. a guest. Once we get into the grievance, Hour of the Grievances, I will have you grieve. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to get to bring a Kleenex box to cry yes. listening to Genesis, yes. uh, um, you know, Praveen's favorite song from Genesis. I don't even know what they wrote, man. And as, that was in I, the 80s. As Billy Graham used to say at his crusades, we are going to have you come see meet Jesus at in this next. Oh hour. my God! Yes. Is that guy still alive? Billy Graham? No, he's no, not alive. No. Eh? You know, I remember being force fed. Uh, what was his name? Jimmy Swaggart and Billy oh, yes. Graham in Chile. They oh, used yeah. to force feed us this stuff on Sunday mornings. And uh, you know, if you have, if you want to laugh, folks. You want to listen to a Spanish-dubbed version of Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> Especially when he would cry at the end of each one of the sermons. It was hilarious. You know, do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and punch in uh, Spanish Jimmy Swaggart. And you are going to love it for sure. You were also a very religious person growing up, I weren't we, you? We share, we talked before, we shared this uh, 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 religious upbringing. Uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal um church i guess yeah um, we were so, both pentecostals yeah and we both are trying to see where that was now <laughs> no my mother that was, that was me. scary we have a phone call who do we who do we have on the line we have adam and i think he wants to talk about genesis the car brand not the band oh, oh. sure that's a whole different story <laughs> you know I, I i gladly speak about genesis because they are one of my favorite car bands of all i mean not car bands <laughs> Car brands of all times, no pun intended here, and uh, that was not Freud slipping. Uh, let's talk to him. Hey, man, how are you? You want to talk about Genesis? What's on your mind? 
Well, uh, I, I'm not sure if you caught the reason why I called with regards to Genesis. There, have you seen? Uh, there's an article in the Globe and Mail that they're they're suing uh, a retailer in Toronto who's been around for more than 50 years, and they're it's a clothing store called Genesis, and they wanted them to cease and desist uh, using that name. And, you know, after what all of these small retailers have gone through, why would a big brand worry about a clothing store that's not even in the same industry having a similar name? You know, I'm going to tell you the truth on this. I have no clue what you're talking about. So, you know, if you can, if you don't mind, can you forward the article to me so I can read it and we can discuss it? Maybe I, maybe I will even have Don Romano come on the show because he's a buddy of mine and he's phenomenal. And I'm sure that they, there are some perfectly good reasons. Uh, you know, the truth is that, you know, when it comes to branding, there is always issues like that. I mean, you come up with a name, but you don't own, you know, you don't own the language. And ultimately it's like you brand an apple. You can't say apples now, you know, it's, uh, it's just silly. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, I don't know anything about it like i literally don't know anything about it uh i would like to know more yeah, for sure it in the uh, globe and mail the other day so it was an article a large article um you, you can reference the globe and mail but i'll glad to be, be glad to send it to you i just find it odd because they're not even in the same business and the clothing store has been around for 50 years which is a heck of a lot longer than the genesis brand of cars yeah, that is that is true. I, I remember that uh, when when I took over um, um, Richmond Hill Hyundai, uh, Richmond Hill Hyundai didn't didn't own Richmond Hill Hyundai.ca, <laughs> so I had to go and, and and negotiate with this dude, you know, uh, with another basement dweller. <laughs> so when he came out, he had big dark circles under his eyes, and he hissed at me when he saw the light of the day. But uh, you know, there was a during the. Um, the explosion of brands and, and domains and whatnot. There was a lot of people that used to squat on names and stuff. And, you know, I don't know how this works uh, from a branding standpoint, but uh, I, it would be interesting to see what uh, what they have to say about that uh, that situation. But thank you so much for calling. Now, saying that, I do think that Genesis is one of the most underrated luxury uh, brands of all times. I think that if you're looking at luxury vehicles, you need to include them into the search. But thank you so much for the phone comment. I really appreciate it. Um, Genesis, eh? why, you know, talk to me about this, uh, Praveena. I'm just very, very curious as to how your um, not-so-sophisticated uh, taste in music um, is, is showing through. <laughs> why do you like Genesis so much? Come a little closer to the microphone, yeah. It's called music. You said it right there. It's music. There's chords. Mm. There's different chords. There's different styles. There's genre. Now... To be fair, uh -huh. if you put it to the music world, there is a very um, distinct two worlds of Genesis. There's the Peter Gabriel Genesis, yeah. which was up until 1975. There was the up until Steve Hackett Genesis, okay. up until 1977. And then there's the Phil Collins Genesis, which was after that, which everybody seems to hate, which he, you know, they, they accuse him of doing it, but he made Genesis a bit more poppy than the art rock, uh, uh, progressive rock that they are known for. It's all a matter of taste, right? Uh, it's, but it is, it, he gets criticized for what he did in the 80s because the 80s is a, a ubiquitous with Phil Collins. Live Aid, everything. Yeah, he, he, he is he everywhere. He, yeah, he, and was you know every, he was everywhere. And he's sitting in his home in Geneva, Switzerland, counting his billions of dollars uh, for all that. So, now, in all fairness, okay, okay, listen to me. In all fairness, 
I do prefer Peter Gabriel as a performer over uh, Phil Collins. I think that uh, he, in my opinion anyways, he's a more honest performer. Uh, and uh, In Your Eyes has to be uh, one of the most amazing songs ever written. He's, he's a fantastic songwriter. and But he also evolved. He was not, as much as the credit... Peter gets for being the prog rock of Genesis in the early 70s. Yep. Peter evolved to Sledgehammer, yep. uh, all, uh, In Your Eyes, The Flood, Here Comes the Flood, all that kind of stuff. That's the same guy that evolved. People evolved. That's what music is about. But except, except your musical taste didn't because you got stuck on Genesis. Genesis. <laughs> I'm just picking Listen, on you. Oh, I'm no, just no, picking on you. I'm good. I'm good. Out here. <laughs> I'm good. But you know what? I was just telling Jacob though. This uh -huh. is. But there is a line, and one of the questions uh, I could have asked, I guess, for you for talk to when you're talking to Jeff is, when do musicians realize, like athletes, it's time to hang them up? Yeah. So there's a lot of musicians, and Genesis is one of. They just finished a tour earlier this year. Yeah, and they were and done. They're done. They're finished. But even that was, you know, God bless him. I'm a big Phil Collins fans, but, uh, fan, but he was sitting on a chair. It was just sad to see. His voice was okay, but he wasn't playing the drums, which is what he's known for. Uh -huh. uh, his son was playing the drums. But I would not pay, even if I was given a free ticket, I would not have gone to the concert to see that. I just, I just rather prefer to remember my band for what they were as opposed to just because they're there. Now, I don't know if you feel the same way about uh, Metallica still out there and sort of their prime. You know, I, um, I mean, they, they have to be close to my age. Uh, you know, they were pretty young when they, they broke into the scene in, in 1983, 1984, if I'm not mistaken, and they were in their late teens. So they're probably maybe five, six years older than me. Um, uh, you know, you know James Hetfield. He can be. Can you see how old he is? I think if I have he's to 50, guess, fifty-eight, fifty-nine, fifty-nine, right? Yes. And um, Lars uh, Ulrich. Uh, it's got to be the same age. Yeah, fifty-nine. Yeah. The um, what's the name of the uh, the guitar player? Um, oh, what's his name? You know, Trujillo is the bass player, but I always. Uh, It's not Jason Newsted. Kirk Hammett. Kirk Hammett. Yes, he's phenomenal. He's one of the most the most iconic guitar players of all times. But uh, you know, I, I saw them in Toronto a few years back, and uh, the power, like you know, it is the power is all there. You, we've all seen. You know, let me give you an example. I know that this is a it's a giant juxtaposition of of styles. Okay, um, I went to see John Bon Jovi. Was he was huge in the eighties, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I saw him roughly the same. You know, one one or two years, but there was no weight behind the performance. Mm -hmm. There was it, there was no power left. It's like uh, you know he has lost the you know the joy the vivra. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But when Metallica performs, if you don't feel it in your veins man you know you, you become electrified when, when these guys play and I hope that they continue to do so now I'm sure that at some point there is a line right and we just need to hang them exactly. yeah. yeah but you know my second favorite is the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I think what they're they're touring right now and they're older as well but they they can put it out there. I They've mean, never they, written a song that's made any sense. Doesn't matter. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know, the, the truth is this, man. I don't think it matters. Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge. Yeah, under bri it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a very poignant song. They've written several songs that are, I mean, it's not your melodic, you know, Genesis art, prog rock, uh, prog rock kind of lyrics, but yeah. it, in their own way, you know, they started as kind of a funk 
funk rap band, and they got a little bit more melodic. But you, I mean, uh, Anthony Kiedis aside, yeah, you got Flea, who's touted as one of the best player uh, bass players ever. Yeah, he's they're phenomenal. John Frusciante is just a guitar virtuoso. Like yeah. he is r- ridiculously awesome. And Chad Smith, oh my god, like his drums are the three of them just riffing on stage. Check out on it's YouTube. amazing. It's just. It's it's you know, just the work of art. I'm gonna throw in another band there that uh, is probably my second or third favorite band. Um, you know, Rage Against the Machine, and uh, when they split up and uh, they um, Are they, they got still together. Uh, no, I mean they just got they, ba- they just got back together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, for a long time they split up. And uh, Chris Cornell, which, who is my favorite singer, um, you know, well, you know, before he died, and uh, he joined Audio Slave, which is a combination of uh, Soundgarden and uh, Rage Against the Machine. It was like a one of those. You know, power bands of all time and Audio Slave became an instant favorite of mine but uh, you know we don't play enough of those guys we don't play enough but folks we have a very very interesting guest coming on the other side of the hour and uh, it is important that you stay tuned because uh, um, this speaks to one of my hobbies one of my passions one of my loves and we're going to have here Tracy Wilson she is the VP of Public Relations for the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. And uh, we are going to try to unpack uh, a little bit of what's going on with Bill C-21 that, uh, you know, is sending every single farmer, every single gun owner in Canada uh, up, in, up in arms, no pun intended. Um, stay tuned and we are going to talk to Tracy and hopefully we can shed some light into this situation for all of us. Uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take a short break we'll be right back so long now oh you're a hard one but i know that you got your reasons these things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow don't you draw the queen of diamonds boy What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. to start back from uh, from the break but I am unable to listen to George Michael and not feel like crying I don't know why uh, you know I find his his voice one of the most sweetest things ever it was, you know what a beautiful man he was you know you know, way too soon man way too soon 
I remember when he passed on, I was just incredibly sad. Um, but, uh, you know, have you uh, guessed the theme of the uh, songs today, Jacob? I have not. You know, no. I'm, I'm going to share it with you. Uh, these are some of the best uh, piano or organ intros of all times. Every one of our songs starts with a piano. Oh. Oh. You know, is that, you know I, I have to thank uh, my, my very, very, very good friend and honorary son, Sean Ryan from uh, Oakville Infinity Nissan, that helped me put this collection together. You know, one of these days, I'm going to get him to come on the show. Yeah, he's such please. an interesting kid. And you know, he's, he's only 24 years old. Oh, but, wow, he's... I, yeah, he's a year older than me. His musical knowledge is something that I, you know, can only be equated to uh, like an encyclopedia. He's uh, he's a, a prolific guitar player. He plays a bunch of other instruments. His father was a musician, so he was always exposed to music. Um, but uh, you know, uh, a guitar and a voice are a weapon <laughs> in the hands of the right artist. And speaking of weapons, we have. Uh, a secret weapon here coming on the show. Uh, folks, I'm super, super excited uh, to introduce my next guest. Uh, you know, her name is uh, Tracy Wilson, and she is the Vice President of Public Relations for the Canadian Coalition uh, for Firearm Rights. And um, this is not something that you're going to hear very often in Canadian radio. Because for some reason, uh, radio shows and radio hosts and, uh, you know, station by and large, whenever they're owned by a corporation, they always try to stay away from the topics that affect certain Canadians, uh, especially of the, uh, of the kind that happens to be, uh, that happens to like firearms. Uh, you know, there, there seem to be a, a a proclivity from the media to marginalize folks that, you know, have a hobby or they have a farm and they just like the idea of having a firearm in their house, uh, which in most cases are law-abiding citizens. Uh, the reality is that all this banning of guns and, and, and whatnot has no impact on the criminal uh, activities because by definition, criminals don't obey the law. So most of the crimes in Canada are committed by illegal guns. But I mean, that's a conversation that we can unpack for, you know, it, it will never, we'll never hear the end of this. Tracy, thank you so much for coming to the Carrasco show this morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, I uh, when your name popped up as one of our potential guests this morning, I was like, done, don't, let's not discuss this anymore, just get it on air. In uh, I think that the main reason why is because as a gun owner myself, I had no idea that the CCFR existed. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, the CCFR is the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. We're a fairly new organization in the country. We were founded in 2015 um, as a direct result of the Liberal government winning the election. And we, as longtime gun owners ourselves, we sort of recognize um, you know, avoid an advocacy as far as public relations. And at the end of the day, I think that's the problem gun owners have is a public perception problem. And that's our goal to fix that at the same time <clears throat> that we hold the government to account for credible measures to reduce crime, violence and gun smuggling. Well, you know, 
uh, it seems like holding the government accountable is is not something that uh, media and by and large people are ready to do because I think that there is a lot of confusion as to the gun crimes in Canada in relation to legal guns registered in the Canadian registry. Can you give me a little bit of visibility in relation to this? I mean, from a percentage standpoint, do you have some statistics that you can share with the public in relation to the amounts of crimes that are committed by legal guns or illegal guns in relation to what the government is pushing forward? Yeah, so overall across the nation, you've got approximately 0.06% of gun owners who abuse their privilege of owning a gun. Now, in Toronto specific, which is important to your listeners, <coughs> excuse me, TPS reports that upwards of 80 to 90% of the guns seized from crime scenes um, are illicitly smuggled from the United States. Now, I, I you know, I'm not saying that gun owners never um, abuse the, the right to have a gun or misuse their firearm. They do, and I, there's some things that we can do to ensure that's reduced or eliminated. But when you've got a government that's intent on focusing their entire efforts and our resources as taxpayers on chasing around gun owners for political advantages, Rather than targeting uh, the, you know, the real the problem, yeah, and this is why we've got a ninety-two percent increase in gang-related homicide in this country since Trudeau took power, and a thirty-three percent increase in overall crime across the country, violent crime. So that's we've got a violence problem, and you know, I I think that the the Liberal government has has gone too far this time with the amendments to C-21. I think they blew their cover. They've always used gun owners as a political football. And I think they've sort of de-weaponized themselves now and exposed their own agenda. So, no. you know, at the end of the day, I'm a mom and a grandma, and I want to save her country, too. You don't sound old enough to be a grandma, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a whole different conversation here. Uh, I, you know, I, I, can you dissect, dissect for us or, you know, for the listeners what Bill C-21 means to legal gun owners in Canada and farmers and hunters and whatnot? Absolutely. So C-21 in itself was a piece of legislation that the Liberals introduced to stop the legal acquisition of handguns, among some other measures, and, and I'll, I'll briefly go through those. But the idea here is, is instead of banning handguns outright, they're going to stop the market, which affects sports shooters who own guns. I own a number of handguns myself. I shoot competitively. And when those guns are, you know, uh, worn out or broken or, no, you know, it's time for a new one, I won't be able to acquire any. So again, it's focused on the wrong problem. The other measures within C21 are things like a, a ban on airsoft guns. So those are basically toys that, you know, it's a pretty big airsoft community in, in Canada. I wasn't really aware of it. I've got a bunch of nephews that play it. But um, the airsoft community is a massive community within Canada. And C21 will basically ban their um, their toys. Um, as well, there are some measures in their red flag and yellow flag laws, which Canada already has a pretty robust red flag system. In fact, women's groups and anti-violence groups have been speaking out against the red flag laws um, introduced in C21 um, because it w- it'll put the onus on the victim to go to court in order to have their abuser's guns taken away. So 
rather than being able to just call the police and having the police come and, um, and, and take care of it which also removes the ability to sort of have a vetting process to ensure that that ability to take somebody's property away isn't abused for nefarious purposes. So that's how C-21 started, was a bunch of smaller measures, and then the handgun freeze would be codified in law, making it very difficult for a conservative government to overturn in the future. Uh-huh. Then, in the 11th hour, the Liberals introduced amendments G-4 and G-46, which equated to basically the largest hunting gun ban in the history of our country. Yeah, I I got a lot of feedback because you know whenever you you know you're a gun owner yourself and you uh, you practice the hobby you know target practice and whatnot you inevitably you become exposed to other like-minded individuals and you know some of the most you know interesting people that I've met I've met them at the gun range and uh, you know from police officers to um, you know military personnel to just regular citizens that like you know that like to learn to practice, uh, you know, a sport that's been around for hundreds of years. Um, the pushback was phenomenal. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that caught my attention is this. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands of businesses across the country that make their living, that feed their family with this, the, the buying and selling of firearms and ammunition for that matter. And, mm-hmm. you know, who has their back? You know, because a lot of these, it must be almost impossible to make money these days. I mean, they, they may be shutting businesses down. And also, oh, yeah. if you think that the criminal element is going to stop using guns simply because you're banning legal guns, you are delusional. Am, am I wrong with this assessment? Totally right. And and I just, to speak to the, the point about the firearm industry in Canada, we contribute over $8.9 billion to the annual GDP, which is a pretty pretty substantial amount of money. Um, there are over 4,800 licensed firearm retailers across the country, employing 40,000 people in full-time jobs. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, people say, well, I don't care, you know, ban this, ban that. I mean, it all affects the inventory and the ability for these um these stores, which are usually small businesses owned by families. By right? mom and pop. Yeah, yeah. Mom and pops. Yeah. And I mean, you are, you are decimating um, sometimes businesses that have been in families for generations with zero thought to, is it worth it? At the end of the day, is it worth it? Is it worth it to do that to Canadians? And it sort of breaks down the social contract that gun owners and firearm retailers have with, with their government. It, it destroys it. Now, you know, this is, you know, maybe you can help me understand this because this is coming strictly from a layman's perspective. Um, This buyback program, uh, you know, how how does that work? Number one is that uh, am I going to get market value for my weapons? Number one. Number two, who's going to pay for it? Because we, as we all know, the government is not a uh, revenue generating entity. It's a it's a revenue redistributing uh, entity. It takes it away from some people and give it away to somebody else. And and to buy the the number of guns that the government is suggesting that they buy back is going to cost billions and billions and billions of dollars. Who's going to pay for this? Well, you and I are going to pay for it and everyone listening to the show. So, of course, you're right. The government doesn't have any money. They have our money. So what they'll do is they will require taxpayers 
to spend billions of their hard-earned dollars chasing around gun owners and destroying legally acquired firearms while doing literally nothing about the rampant problem we have in our streets across across the country with illicit firearms. How they'll actually even do it, I've, I've said this multiple times and people may find this controversial, but it is virtually impossible. You're talking about picking up possibly millions, upwards of 10 million guns across the country from well over half the gun owners, and there's 2.3 million gun owners in Canada. Uh-huh. So you're talking about over a million Canadians. The the resources required to even administrate that program simply don't exist. There isn't enough cops in the country to, to do it. So I, I think the government will probably roll out some sort of program to relieve the businesses who are stuck with inventory they can't sell. And I would support that because it's unfair to the businesses who bought these firearms and and imported them legally and under Canadian law, who are now stuck with inventory that they've already paid for that they can't sell. But as far as collecting from individuals, it's impossible. It's going to be a complete and utter failure and a waste of money. You know, here is the part that I find not only absurd and insulting to the the thinking person, but... uh, you know, just because you are banning a legal gun, it doesn't make the streets any safer. By definition, criminal elements do not care about the law. And if anyone has any idea of the incredibly difficult process of getting yourself certified to own a gun in Canada. You know, when I started my process, and you know, the truth is this, when I left the Canadian Army back in in the 90s, I I had, um, you know, a couple of weapons in my house, but then, you know, life said that I was, I got married, I I started to have kids, and I didn't want to have guns uh, around the house when the kids were little. So I sold them, and uh, um, my license became stale because I didn't renew them. So when it came the time for me to re-engage one of my passions, I had to go through the entire process again. The process, um, Tracy, took took me close to a year and a half from the moment that I started the, um, the, the application until I became fully certified and I got my licenses in the mail. You know, <laughs> you know, think of the dedication that you need to have in a commitment to the actual hobby in order for you not only to put yourself through the training process, but then for the weight and, and, and the sending of the documentation of the, 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 the references, uh, Everything that you need to do in order for you to expose yourself at the most basic level to our government to make sure that you are worthy of having a firearm in your house. I can tell you this, folks, you know, anyone that has gone through that process, there is a, I mean, there, there is always exceptions to the rule. You know, you know, I mean, if you don't believe me, I, I mean, you, you don't, you need to look at, at the priesthood, you know, are there some bad priests? For sure. Look at doctors. Are there some bad doctors? For sure. So just like anywhere else in any other aspect of our society, you will have a very, very small element of people that will abuse their right or their privilege to have a gun in their house. And they will do things that are not becoming to, you know, the rule of law saying that. 
You cannot punish the many for the faults of the few. And if you've punished the few with the biggest strength of the law, it would be a deterrent for anybody else to do such a thing. But unfortunately, we have a catch and release system here. You know, we have a violence problem. We have a crime problems. We don't have a gun problem in Canada. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And and you're right. Here's the thing. I've been a gun owner for 27 years. And I've complied with an ever-changing law, you know, regardless of how ridiculous it is. I've complied with everything they've asked of me. I've, I've followed the letter of the law. I store my gun safely, probably above where, where, I'm, where I'm legally required to. I use them safely, competently for decades. And all of a sudden, you've got this liberal government that comes along and says, it doesn't matter if you followed the ever-increasing stricter regulation that we've placed on you. We're coming to take your stuff. And at that point, it, it, it goes into the, the, the part I talked about, where you have a social contract with your government that says, okay, here's the laws that you've laid out. I'm going to follow them. If I follow them properly, you should leave me alone. Well, they won't. And the other problem that we have is that it, it distracts the entire country from focusing on the real problem. On the real problem, for sure. Effect. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're a gun owner who was licensed to own your firearms and you misuse them, there isn't another gun owner in this country who's going to stand up for you. So, you know, if you've done something wrong, then that's right. Punish that person. But this collective guilt that's assigned to millions of Canadians who've done nothing to warrant it is truly the most un-Canadian thing I can think of. Well, there's a lot of things that this government is doing that are severely you know, anti-Canadian. They're not un-Canadian, they're anti-Canadian. It's not the Canada that I moved yeah. into, uh, you know, 30 some odd years ago when I emigrated from a dictatorship. It seems like I we're right back in there. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm having a PTSD in relation to what I see happening with the Canadian government right now, but it's pretty close to it. You know, anyone that has ever yeah. lived in that sort of authoritarian uh, regimes or, or a dictatorship would tell you you that you can smell it we see it but unfortunately when you stay in a room that smells bad enough for a long time you don't smell it anymore and i feel that that's what's happening to the to canadians and the, and the liberal government but you know you know tracy i i want to take a short break and i have a few questions that i need to, I need to ask you in relation to where do you think this is going? What do you think is going to happen? And so on. And how can people get involved? So please don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back to you, folks. You are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show here. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. But as you know, we talk about everything. And with me right now, we have the VP of Public Relations for the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights. It's an important conversation to be had. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto.
are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on Saga 960. 289-275-9600 is the phone number, although the phone lines are open. This conversation is, is very, very interesting. If you have a question, you can call us. Uh, but um, we are, you know, we're very, very fortunate this morning uh, to have a couple of guests that are, you know, changing the tone of the show. Uh, and right now I have Tracy Wilson. She is the Vice President of Public Relations for the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. Now, uh, how can people get involved, uh, Tracy? I mean, you know, can you become a member of this coalition of, uh, of CFR? Can you, uh, in, in, in what happens when you become a member? Do you become a target? <laughs> no pun intended. Um, you know, can you tell us how can people get involved in this? Yeah, absolutely. So you can become a member at firearmrights.ca. A membership, an annual membership is only $40, and it includes $5 million worth of personal liability insurance. So that protects gun owners should they injure or hurt somebody in the, you know, um, in the process of their legal activities. Now, if, if you're worried about being on a list, by virtue of having a firearms license, you're already on a list. <laughs> we don't share your with anybody, but the government already knows that you've got guns because you've got a firearms license. And yeah, of course. With yeah, yeah. And, and we carry our license with us wherever we go. And whenever we go to the range, we have everything properly secure. And whenever, you know, we store our weapons, we have the locks that are required by the law. You know, I don't, criminals don't go through the training process. <laughs> we do. We know exactly what is, what is required of us. We know exactly how to handle. I mean, one of the reasons why, why I did it again is because I wanted to have, uh, I wanted to ensure that my kids were fully trained in the safety in safe handling of firearms because you never know when somebody's going to be exposed to a firearm. And, uh, you know, ignorance is one of the biggest causes of accidents that, that take place. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I've actually got a, a funny little anecdote about that. I'm, I'm a mother to two grown girls. My youngest daughter, Summer, is a corporal in the Canadian military. She's 20 years old. And I remember back in grade eight, they were she was in school and they were talking about their safety protocols and one of the questions asked by the teacher was what would you do if you found a firearm in the in the schoolyard or or anywhere else for that matter and a variety of different answers came forth from the kids you know i would stand there and scream i would pick it up and run to a a a teacher you know i would show my friends they had they had a variety of different answers and when it came to my daughter's turn she said well i would eject the mag i would rack the slide i would prove it clear (laughs) and then i would I would give it to somebody who who could take care of it. And she failed the question, which legitimately she was, she had the correct answer. Um, but of course she was sent to the principal's office for having the wrong answer. And it just sort of shows you, I mean, I've, I've raised two girls in this home. Um, you know, I've, I've got a very extensive firearms collection. I've got a 10 year old grandson that lives here with me. Um, my kids have never been in danger from them. And of course, from a very young age, I've been taking them to the range, taking them hunting, you know, we do it all together. So I think I think a lot of the problem that we experience as firearms owner is just simple. The, the public just doesn't know. They're just not aware. The only exposure they've had to firearms is Hollywood or politicians. And it's associating firearms with violence, which isn't true. Well, you know, a gun is an inanimate object. You know, people are the violent ones, not the guns. You know, you you put a loaded gun with a you know with, you know, racking a bullet in the in the chamber, and you leave it sitting on a table. It will it won't do anything. 
And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very, you know, easy concept to understand. It's just that, you know, somebody said once that you cannot wake somebody who is pretending to be asleep. And, and people are just not willing to have that conversation. Because the reality is that, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have a gun problem in Canada. We have a violence problem in Canada. And those two things are not related. And the criminal element, you know, I, I, will, I will repeat this until I'm blue in the face. The criminal element does not obey the law. That's what makes them criminals. And that's ultimately who is given the lawful gun owners the bad rap that if you if if you ever came in contact with someone who is a legal gun owner in Canada, you will understand how serious we take our licenses because it took us so long to acquire them that we follow every procedure. Now, again, there is always exceptions to the rule. Now, where do you see this C21 going? I mean, where, where do you see the end of this nonsense? Well, of course, here at the CCFR, we're going to do everything within our power to scrap the bill in its entirety. Um, you know, I think there, there's some there's some things that they could work on. I know ghost guns is a, a particular problem uh, for law enforcement, and that's, of course, the illegal private manufacturer of firearms. So somebody in their basement manufacturing firearms. And with the technology of 3D printing, that's becoming more of an issue. Um, you know, uh, uh, I know that in speaking with law enforcement, in fact, I'm flying out to Calgary this afternoon to go meet with the RCMP NOS to talk about some of these issues. But there are some things that we can do about that. There are parts of a gun that are very difficult to print with with a 3D printer, like a barrel or a trigger assembly. And those parts are, for the most part, unregulated because on their own, they are not a gun. They are simply a part of a gun. Well, nobody without a firearms license would have any use for any of those parts unless the idea was to manufacture a gun. Mm-hmm. So a simple, a simple solution the Liberals could introduce, of course, is regulating the, uh, regulating the purchase of essential components to manufacture a gun. You know, there's some things, you know, like a scope or a red dot. You can put those on, on basically anything, right? It Pretty has nothing much. to do with a gun. Yeah, but those essential components, and that's the language that the RCMP NWS unit is is using. Um, the, why you don't need a license to buy those is beyond me. Just like a magazine for a gun, you don't need a license to buy one. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm a bad gun lobbyist advocating for that, but I would far rather see measures like that implemented that could have an impact on reducing the illicit manufacture of illegal guns. So seeing them come kick in the doors of hunters across the country. It's, it's ridiculous. So let me understand this. Uh, you know, if I understand it correctly, you can buy each and every part to build a gun separately without a license in Canada right now. Well, except for the, the lower. So the lower, which is the actual firing mechanism for the gun. Yeah. You do need a license to buy that. Um, but, of course, you can manufacture one. So that's the problem is the, the part that is regulated um, can be manufactured and the parts that aren't regulated are very difficult to manufacture. So between those two problems, um, you know, it, it is entirely possible to manufacture guns. Now, of course, the criminal element in Toronto and the GTA and everywhere else find it far easier just to import um, illegally smuggled guns across the country, across the border. Um, so, so there's that. But there's there's some issues that we can do about that as well. I know 
for half the cost of what this buyback, buyback program will cost taxpayers, we can put an X-ray, a drive-through X-ray machine, 10 of them, at every single border crossing. So every single car can be X-rayed. Just like the problem with Via Rail. Right now, there is 0% capacity for CBSA to... Um, to, to scan, examine, yeah, to to scan, to yeah, scan rail cars. They're simply not even examined, and that is a, a, a direct pipeline coming across the border and right up into our northern communities. So, yeah, I think I think all Canadians could get behind measures like that, and of course, bail reform, which the Liberals seem completely uninterested in doing anything about. It's a well, soft on crime. I'm of governance. The way that I see it, uh, Tracy, is that, uh, you know, if, if the liberal government continues to do this, only the bad people are going to have guns in Canada. It, that's just the way it's yeah. going. That's just the way it's going. I mean, uh, you know, a thug in Toronto is going to have, you know, far, uh, you know, greater ability to acquire an illegal firearm than our, lo- our, you know, grandma and grandpa, up, you know, in northern Ontario that needed to, you know, to clear, you know, coyotes or bears from 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 their property because they <laughs> they need to protect themselves up north. You know what I mean? Is it this whole notion yeah. makes no sense to me, and, uh, and now. Where do you think that this is going to pass? I mean, do you think that uh, that ultimately the liberal government has brainwashed their constituency into thinking that, uh, you know, legal gun owners are a problem in Canada? Well, they have done a fairly good job at marketing that. I mean, they, they use words like assault style and getting guns <laughs> up. Our it's so absurd. You know, these things, yeah, these are things like that's a made up term. And there's zero guns getting off the streets with this. They're being taken out of the um, the safes and, and gun rooms of, of uh, law-abiding Canadians. But this bill in itself, I know with the um, the red flag laws, those are going to be picked apart. We still have, I think, 96 amendments to come forward um, on this bill, which in itself should tell you something. The government themselves have put forward 46 amendments to their own legislation. Which was flawed so to begin like with. If you were writing a yeah, if you were writing a really important paper and then you had to turn around and immediately amend it 46 times, I would say you probably did a terrible job at writing it to begin with. So, you know, that's some problems. I, um, no, I look I at it from, Tracy, end- sorry to interrupt you. I look at it from a different way. No. You know, they went out and asked for everything and now they're going to step it back, but they're still going to gain ground. And, and and that's that's the challenge, um, because, uh, you know, when they tell you what the absolute worst that could be, you know, little by little, they still inch away into the the gun rights of law abiding citizens in Canada. And there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and from that perspective, it scares me because this is how you lose autonomy in Canada. You know, one one bill at a time, you know, one legislation, you know, one law at a time. And it seems to be happening more and more and more now. You know, right now you are there is a freeze on the acquisition of handguns in Canada. That's you know, there is no end on sight for that, is there? Well, here's the good news is until C twenty one passes and receives assent, which won't even be until the fall, it's done simply by an OIC, which is an ordering council. It's similar to an executive order in the state. So something done by an ordering council by a minority government can also be undone by an an OIC, by a minority government. So the number one solution that gun owners across the country should be looking for is a new government. 
We need a government that's going to focus on the actual problem, leave gun owners alone, strengthen some of the controls we've got in place, and, of course, focus on reducing illicit firearm use. So, you know, that's that's the ultimate solution. Could this bill pass? Yes, but I think it will be amended to the point that it'll be more or less useless. The NDP has already come out pretty strong looking for exemptions for certain um, competitive shooters. I don't personally support uh, I think the only exemption should be your your license. But um, I know that the IPSC community has done a really good job at advocating. And then I know that the NDP is also going to be introducing amendments to whittle away at the airsoft ban. Because, of course, I don't know why, you know, when, you, when you're using a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know, the go- Liberal government looks at the problem of the misuse of airsoft and the idea is, okay, well, let's just ban it. I don't know why the, we go to the uh, the nuclear option for every little problem. I mean, there's a ton of things that have been suggested that can be done to rectify the problem, which is law enforcement being unable to tell the difference between an airsoft gun and a real in a gun. real in so, a real gun, yeah, for sure. Now, also, yeah, I, I think I, that I think the Canadian uh, you know judicial system is way too soft on gun crimes. Uh, you know, the moment that you start you know slapping people with the uh, you know with the book of the law, uh, the moment that uh, yeah. you start breaking breaking the law as it pertains to guns, you're going to have that's probably the biggest deterrent. And I know that uh, uh, you know some people may disagree with me, but I do believe that uh, we do need to have you know stringent more stringent laws with people that are. Um, that are committing crimes with illegal guns. Now, I mean, the people that commit crimes with, that have a, uh, a license, number one, is highly unusual, but they should be subjected to the same type of punishment, except that there is no yeah. punishment in Canada. That's the problem. Well, yes, that is a problem. I know uh, some reports out of Vancouver recently, it's the same 40 people convicted over 6,000 violent crimes in that in that city so you've got 40 people causing all the problems and law enforcement across the country in every province has said to the liberal government we need bail reform now we've got that revolving door we're soft on crime you know the the liberals think being tough on crime is racist it's insane to me i don't care where you come from what color you are if you're gonna if you're gonna hurt people and we're talking about the most violent repeat offenders here we're not not talking about it you know, a kid or a guy getting in a bar fight. I'm talking about violent repeat offenders. These people don't deserve the 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 pleasure of walking our streets just so they can reoffend. Well, you know, it, it seems I, to be a I, common thing, uh, you know, Tracy, because the same thing happens with drunk drivers. You know, they're usually repeat offenders, and the government doesn't seem to care or want to do anything about it. But look, uh, I, we do have to, uh, you know, finish this. So there's a lot more for us to talk about here. But uh, where can people find you? Tracy, and how can people, you know, sign up to become a member of the uh, Coalition for Firearm Rights here in Canada? Absolutely. So the very best way you can help is to get a membership at firearmrights.ca. You can find all kinds of information there on what we're doing and how you can help. And you can find me on Twitter at, at T. Wilson Ottawa. Thank you very much, Tracy. I thank you, you know, immensely on behalf of the entire Slack Nation here for taking the time this Saturday morning to share your knowledge in relation to firearm rights here in Canada. And you have, again, you have an open invitation. Whenever you need to communicate something to the masses, just come and talk to me and we'll have this conversation again, okay? I appreciate it. It was an absolute privilege to be with you this morning. Thank you, Tracy. Folks... 
This is uh, it's amazing how quickly this show is going by this morning. Uh, we are going to take a very, very short break. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And as we promised, we will bring all sorts of different topics to your airways, to your home, and we can have a healthy discussion. The number to call is 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. What an amazing show we've had today, man. I, I've had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I apologize for how unbelievably congested I am. I haven't been able to shake off this silly congestion on my chest for, you know, it's been almost a month now. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe this is this is the end. That's it. It's all downhill from here. I'll never recover. Goodbye, everybody. No. And uh, at some point uh, during the second hour, um, my uh, program director here, uh, someone who I, I I hold in very very high esteem, esteem, he uh, completely um, uh, exposed himself by saying that. Uh, Wait, you he's, can't uh, say that on there. What do you mean? Expose myself. <laughs> Especially on the radio, he exposed himself by saying that uh, his favorite band was Genesis because they have better songs and, and better lyrics than my favorite band. Who's, who happens to be Metallica. So we agreed to a song off. So I'm going to let him go first uh, because he uh, he's picked a song that is uh, is long enough to put you to sleep, but it you know it is what it is. So we have 30 seconds of song until the uh, we need to start playing the big bucks. D- due to um, CRTC regulations, we can only play 30 seconds, so we, that's all we can get. So All right. Jacob, Let's do this. Do the honors. God. Hold on a second. I don't think that my soundboard is working. There you go. 
<laughs> All right, let's see what oh. uh, let's see what Carrasco has. And you know, look, I, I had to pick a song, and you know, I'm amidst all the interviews. So you got to remember, folks, that uh, you know, my program director had the actual time to sit on the couch here, go through his phone, and pick his best weapon. And all I did was is that I thought of this is a song that just pops up into my mind. So let's see, let's uh, hit me with it. Let it play. That's not that's 30, thir- seconds that's 30 seconds yet. 30 seconds. Ah, see. Ah, ah, see? That's okay. That's uh, okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm still going to give it to uh, to Greg there. I'm sorry, Praveen. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did, did you read <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, next week there will be a show about knitting and this time period. Oh, and my Jake- Jacob has chosen to seek new opportunities. Uh, okay, uh, so why don't we do this? I mean, you know, do you have you have your phone there, right? I do. Can you pull up the uh, you know the uh, initial two verses of that song? Or oh, doesn't have any lyrics? Which one? The song that you played. Oh no, it does. It yeah, does, can yeah. can you uh, yeah. can you read the uh, the the, uh, the poetry of your of your I'm, artist? I'm sorry. What was the name of the song you chose? Unforgiven. Unforgiven. The Unforgiven by Metallica. Okay. So you know, let's uh, we're gonna we're gonna hear uh, you know the sweet voice of my uh, program director here. Uh, he's gonna read poetry right now of his favorite band because he says go. that uh, he is uh, his band is the best. So let's go. Hang on, hang on. Gotta... Yeah, you got your glasses with you, right? Uh, That's right. That's right. Let's. Um, let me oh, just. This get is very deep. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Verse one. Yes. The path is clear. Though no eyes can see the course laid down long before. And so with gods and men, the sheep remain inside their pen, though many times they've seen the way to leave. He rides majestic past homes of men who care not or gaze with joy to see reflected there the trees, the sky, the lily fair. The scene of death is lying just below. Okay, if that does not, well, you, gotta you snap. know, it's, po- it's, you know, it's poetry. You got to snap after. Yeah, it. no, I I see you here. I see you. But uh, to that, I'll show you this. Okay, are you ready for this, Praveen? Uh, because your I'm life is going to change forever. You got to remember that this is, you know, I may it, even get a tattoo after this. Yeah, listen to this, folks. New blood joins this earth, and quickly he is subdued. Through constant pain and disgrace, the young boy learns their rules. With time, the child draws in. This whipping boy done wrong, deprived of all his thoughts. The young man struggles on and on. He's known. Oh, a vow unto his own that never from this day his will they'll take away. <laughs> uh, come on. Listen, if Greg Carrasco did those, I would pay to see that in concert. Uh-huh. So. 
<laughs> I think that uh, the uh, the decision is clear. But you know, oh, I well, we have a third. We have a third contender. Oh, now. we do. Yeah, Who? The, the young, the young end. Yeah, you wanted me to go. Oh no! Okay, no, here no, we go. I here think we... you'll like this one. Okay, let's go. This is just because we've been talking about this band throughout the show, and I'm going to see Robert Plant. Oh yeah, in August. So yeah, this yeah, is my this is my entry. It's it's hard to beat this, right? Go yeah. ahead. Let's go. Spend my days with a woman unkind. Smoke my stuff and drink all my wine. Meet in my mind, make a new star. Going California with an aching in my heart. You know, I I will give it to you. Thank you. That was the best I, song of the three. Thank I you. refuse to. Thank huh? you. I refuse. You know, you That's see, a great it, song. it is it's such an unbelievable song. Uh, you know, and uh, again, Led Zeppelin is one of my favorite bands of all time. I, I think that Led Zeppelin is everybody's <laughs> one of favorite bands of all time. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, what Robert Plant did and at the time that he did, it was just phenomenal. I, there, was, there was true no comparison. Now, this is just, it's got to do with personal taste i like you know hard hitting music you know when i work out when i train in my life when i'm in the car i just crank this because i need to get this angst out you know i still have the angst of the 80s you know oh, you know coming lot. out of my pores <laughs> <laughs> it was a very angsty you know the same thing applies to you in the I 70s been, right wow. <laughs> greg do you ever listen to system of a down uh you know i i have i cannot you know, say or mention a single song, but okay. I'm sure that I, if you play one, I would probably recognize it. Um, but you know, there are so many, I mean, Metallica evolved and they're still producing music. I mean, from the eighties and to the now, they just put out a new album. I mean, they have like, I don't know, 17 or 18 albums or something crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And the fact that they're still relevant. In fact, one of my favorite albums of theirs is the one that came out a couple of years ago, Hardwire for Self-Destruct. You know, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal album. You know, you know, and this is again, and this is one of the reasons why they're my favorite band because you know when was the last time that Zeppelin put anything out 70 what 1980 it was in 1980 uh, in through uh, in through the outdoor was it 1980 or 1979 it, was, it might have been 79 it actually came out so they they haven't put anything out in 40 years um, you know, and Metallica was playing in late seventies, early eighties, and they're still putting new music out, out there. In the seventies, uh, yeah, late. You know, I think that they got together in seventy nine or eighty, if I'm not mistaken. They were they were kids, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first album. Um, Sorry, you know, I know nothing about Metallica. Yeah. But, uh, so James Hetfield was not the original lead singer, right? Or was he? Um, he found, they, no, no, he, he they, founded the band. Oh, he he founded the band, oh, but they had um, they didn't think that he was going to be good enough, and they they interviewed uh, Dave Mustang from um, Megadeth, oh, right, and he yeah. and he didn't cut it, so he started to sing instead. Let me see here. When uh, did Metallica? Eighty one. They formed in eighty one. In eighty one, right? Yeah. October so there, 81. there you go. So I started to listen to them very very soon after. I mean, I was I was a young young eleven twelve year old when uh, we came across the album Kill 'Em All, and I've been listening to them ever sense but you got to remember that uh, back then this sort of music was considered to be satanic music so it was forbidden for me to listen to the stuff in a pentecostal household in the 80s this was you know i got the beatings no matter what but this would have earned me uh, you know (laughs) yeah they would have tossed me out into the streets 
But folks, we can talk about this stuff forever. And I, I thank you yet again for indulging myself and my crew here another Saturday morning. This was, I love this show. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. If you want to listen to the show without any interruptions or commercials, you can just go on to iTunes or uh, Spotify or Google Podcasts and download the podcast and listen to it without any interruptions. Other than that, I will see you here next Saturday. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And that's the only place that you should go before you make any car buying decisions. You know why? Jacob? There's something happening here. At Oakville Nissan. <laughs> dot com think of the tender things that we were working on slow change It's been an honor serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!